In early 2018, I enlisted the help of some mentors and heroes to share what they'd learned through their midlife journey. It began with seasoned entrepreneur, blogger, and business builder, Corbett Barr. The inimitable Seth Godin soon followed, along with Laura Belgray, Michael Yardney, Tom Schwab, Lorraine Ladish, Tanya Dalton, Catherine Raines, and my personal mentor of 22 years, Ken Fife. G'day, it's Peter, and welcome to Office Anywhere, a podcast about working and living on your terms, whether that's cutting coat on the deck of a Balinese villa, crafting ad copy from a cafe in Portland, Oregon, or building websites from a home office in Melbourne, Australia. If you've had enough of the daily commute and the limitations that working in an office imposes, or you're already working remotely, but you want to explore some of the doors that it opens for you, then this is the podcast for you. To learn more about Office Anywhere, just go to officeanywhere.co. What I'd hoped to do with those interviews was remind readers that they weren't alone, that their problems had been lived and solved by others just like them. Each generous contribution from these wonderful people shed fresh light on issues that we all recognised but struggled still to resolve. These shared experiences and practical insights gave hope and encouragement, plus the occasional kick up the arse, and I loved every one of them. For many months, I've wanted to do the same here at Office Anywhere, to share other people's wisdom with you and to show you that others are doing what you've dreamed about. That people just like you, perhaps a few steps ahead of you, are living and working on their terms. And so we begin this journey with someone that you might not know, Jason Langstorff, a software development engineer, keynote speaker, teacher and blogger. While it's great to learn from icons like Seth Godin and Laura Belgray and uh, Corbett Barr, people like that, Hearing from someone who's flying solo like a lot of us is just as powerful and often more relatable. And when I say flying solo, I mean they don't have a team of people around them. They may not necessarily be working purely for themselves. Um, I mean, I work partly for myself. I also work predominantly for one organization, and Jason does the same. Um, you know, but hearing from people like us, I think, is often more powerful and relatable than you know, hearing from icons who've well and truly made it decades ago. Now, Jason's done a lot of cool things, and his clients include the likes of Intel, PlayStation, and Precision Nutrition, people like that. But like a lot of us ambitious types, he nearly killed himself before he actually learned how to live. In the early 2000s, Jason's life seemed to be hitting all the right notes. But like many of us, he was working himself into the ground. I mean, 90-hour weeks are a definite shortcut to an early death. But like a lot of us who work crazy hours, he also bought a bunch of crap that he didn't need, like, for example, a Herman Miller chair. And he neglected the things that really mattered, like sleep, sunshine, and time with his family. And actually, on that subject of the Herman Miller chair, I'm not so sure that that is actually classified as crap, because I'm actually a very big advocate for the things that you use every day, getting the best you can afford. And if you spend a lot of time parked on your ass cutting code or designing websites or whatever, writing speeches, then you should be sitting on a decent chair. Anyway, he'd snared what most independent freelance types would welcome with open arms. He'd managed to snaffle himself a Fortune 100 company project. As he describes in his wonderful book, Untethered, he was thrilled and terrified. I know what that feels like. I know from my own experience that a gig like this can elevate your profile and your bankability and the rates you can charge in the future in one single stroke. And you'll do anything to ensure that it's the crowning glory of your career to date. However, like every large business, internal bureaucracy has a way of smothering creativity as each actor seeks to wrest control from those who might stifle their status roles. It's a common thing in a corporate environment. 
buck passing and delays begin to mount, and key decisions enter gridlock. Deadline slip and scope creep takes hold. In Jason's case, by the time the project design was finally approved, he'd lost two-thirds of his production schedule. The problem was, and it was a huge problem, this was a Black Friday website. So the deadline couldn't be moved. It either launched on time, or it, and by extension, he, would be a failure. As the deadline approached, he made a final four-day sprint and slept less than six hours in total during those four days. He shunned his family on Thanksgiving Day to get it over the line, and he managed to release it just on time. The client was delighted, the site won a bunch of awards, and Jason crossed that invisible line into the big time. Soon after, though, and this is the punchline, chunks of his beard began falling out. As Jason put it, I'd stressed myself out so badly that my body had forgotten how to grow a beard. And for what? So I could work 19-hour days and skip family holidays to meet crazy deadlines? I was exhausted, my body was failing, I was overwhelmed and unhappy and isolated. I had a moustache for Christ's sake. (laughs) I'd been guzzling the overkill cult's Kool-Aid. Something had to change. Like the time I had a mild heart attack, this is me talking now, thanks to a particularly vexatious client, Jason began fearing for his life. Thoughts of ulcers and brain tumours took residence and refused to quit. For me, post-heart attack, any heart, any headache or, or any twinge in my chest would set off alarm bells, and it still does sometimes, and created an immediate panic that maybe this was going to be my last day vertical. My approach to the problem with regard to the aforementioned client was to fire him, and I'm a firm believer in firing the wrong clients. But he then threatened to sue me. I met with him and his senior executives at a restaurant downtown to hand over the working materials and the digital assets that I'd created for him to date. When he announced his intention to sue, I proceeded to illuminate his team about his ethically delinquent practices. I knew how this particular narcissist rolled and I wasn't about to play his game. The matter ended right there and then and I returned to a life that was a little less insane. A few years later though, my now ex-client lost everything. His business, his family, thanks to his continued adultery, his Bayside mansion, his house on Hamilton Island, it was glorious. (laughs) As my dad says, every dog has its day. So getting back to this... uh, overkill cult that Jason talks about. He and I had both joined the same cult and qualifying was very easy. To qualify for this cult, all you had to do was work more than 40 hours a week, sleep less than six hours a night and feel guilty whenever you're away from work. Perhaps you're a member too. Maybe you hadn't intended to join, but your boss or partner, your ambition, your bills, your pride or your ego signed you up. Maybe you're worried that you're working yourself into an early grave too, just like Jason and I feared. Well, here are some sobering facts that might give you enough pause to rescind your membership and rejoin the living. First off, this idea of working more than 40 hours a week, it can actually work and does work against you if you take it too far. You can thank Henry Ford for the 40-hour work week. Now, Henry wasn't soft or cuddly by nature, but he was pragmatic. So his motivation for introducing the 40-hour workweek was based on research, not navel-gazing. He found that five shifts of eight hours apiece delivered the highest levels of sustained productivity. Years of research followed Ford's 1914 decision, and today the overwhelming consensus is that productivity and effectiveness plummet 
after you breach the 50-hour-a-week threshold. In fact, after just two months of 60-hour weeks, you actually produce less than if you'd worked 40 hours a week. So you can increase your hours 150% and it actually sends you backwards. The next one is sleeping less than six hours a night. Well, doing this is like working drunk. Sleeplessness in the aid of ambition used to be a badge of honor, and I'm sure it still is for some. But staying awake for 18 hours throttles your cognitive ability to that of a person who's drunk. Do a few of these in a row, and the impact compounds to a point where after a week of doing this, you're no good to anyone. You're a zombie. So all I want to say is two things about this. Number one, being perpetually tired is the same as being drunk. And you wouldn't go to work drunk, would you? Number two, sleeping less than six hours a night will shorten your life. It literally kills you. Okay, let's look at the third one about feeling guilty when you're not working. And I would say that now, I guess I've got to be easy on you because I've, I've done this many, many times in my life and for long periods of time. But seriously, if you're feeling guilty when you're not working, especially if you're a hard worker, well, then your life is broken. Jason had the exact same fear I had for years, that any time spent not working was wasted. Again, research proves that this was stupid. Just like working too much and sleeping too little diminishes our productivity, failing to step back from work and play a little destroys the very things that we fear losing. We worry that if we're not constantly on our game and racing towards our goals, we'll lose steam and never arrive, in air quotes. Well, the reverse is true. By working eight, sleeping eight, and having another eight for ourselves, we become healthier and happier. Our stress levels drop, our creativity expands, and our energy levels multiply. And all of that adds up to better quality work. By treating time away from work as part of our work, as something that we must do to optimize our output, it makes us more effective and accelerates the accomplishment of our goals. It's like someone saying, Look, if you have a one-hour massage, drink two glasses of Penfold's Bin 189 and eat pizza every day, you'll make an extra 100 grand a year. It's a win-win. So where does this all leave us? Well, Jason took his beard loss as a sign that he should make some dramatic changes. So here's what he did. He resolved to work as much as he could, but no more. He cut from 17 to 90 hours a week to an average of 38. And while he expected a drop in you know, commercial financial success in favour of better health, which he was quite happy to do, he actually experienced more commercial success. Second thing was he made sleep a priority. After cutting his work hours, he started going to bed by about 11 and woke up naturally each day between 7 and 8.30. Sleeping as much as his body needed and then waking naturally had a dramatic effect on his energy levels. And I've done this too, and I do it more and more often these days, and it does have a huge impact. Um, The third and the toughest of all for Jason was to deliberately take breaks, even when he was excited about a project. But by doing this, he found his passion for the work constantly renewed itself while his subconscious got sufficient rain to deliver clever solutions. His His stress levels dropped, his creativity went up, and he became happier and more excited about life than he could ever remember. Now, I know how hard this is to do. When you're working on something, forget whether you have a deadline and people are pressing you to finish something on time or there's money at stake, whatever. When you're in the zone and you're enjoying working on a project, it can be hard to just say, okay, now I have to stop. I have to take a break. I have to go out for a walk or quit for the night, watch a movie with my kids, whatever. 
it's hard because you're in the zone and you're enjoying yourself, but it's the degeneration of your creative capacity is subtle. And it's a bit like um, boiling a frog or um, getting drunk slowly. You don't quite realize it's happening. And before you know it, you've crashed into a power pole or the frog is boiled to death or you're sitting there with eyes like dinner plates wondering why you didn't stop three hours ago. And you don't feel like doing it the next day because you just pushed it too far. So doing this deliberately, taking breaks deliberately, um, is actually a very smart thing to do. And the smartest time to do it is actually when you don't feel like it. Anyway, a year later, after he did all this, uh, he sold all of his possessions and he bought a one-way ticket to Milan and thenceforth lived out of Airbnbs with his girlfriend for two years. When he returned, he began sharing his knowledge as a keynote speaker and via his blog while working as principal developer experience engineer at Netlify. If you hear knocking in the background, I apologize. I've got a gardener putting in some edging and I've got to, I've got to record this podcast so I can't stop and I can't wait for him to leave. Um, anyway, Jason says that after he left the overkill cult, everything in his life improved. Not a single thing got worse. As for me, I'm still learning. I still work too much and I don't play often enough, although I am better at this than I was a few years ago. One step forward, though, is I no longer feel guilty when I'm not working because I've seen enough evidence in my own life to know that it makes me a better worker. I don't think I'll do the nomad experiment that's um, so fashionable these days, but I do see a lot more playtime coming soon, especially as my son enters his ninth year on Earth. Jason's made a decent fist of the whole work-life thing, and good for him that he learned it much earlier than most. My hope is that his experience helps you excommunicate the cult too, or avoid joining it in the first place. Anyway, that's enough for me for this week. Thanks for hanging out with me again on the Office Anywhere podcast. This is episode number 95, so you'll find the blog post that goes along with this over at officeanywhere.co slash 95. And until we chat again next week, here's to working and living on your terms. Catch you then. See ya. See ya.